Welcome to Bunda Vista Socialist Club, uh, episode 29. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with Theo. Hello. Hey. Hi, Theo. Uh, Theo's number one today. Yeah. Fine. It's nice. It's, it's, not... it's nice that, um, you know, a, a man is first for once. Oh, that is nice, actually. Finally. <laughs> I, I like for this to now be a constant power struggle. I'm very into it. Uh, we also have, of course, Hello. Lucy. Uh, and joining us, joining us once again, is a return guest, uh, the world famous uh, leader of the Apex Gang, Matt V. Brady. Hello, I'm coming at you live from the Apex Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I hoped, I hoped you would call in uh, from there and give us some of the secrets, some of the secrets behind uh, the 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 operations of you know the most dangerous and uh, absolutely uh, real and gigantic gang in the country. I'd say in the world, most feared organized crime uh, organization in the world is what we like to think of ourselves as. Yeah, well, it's more of a local cell here. Yeah, I'm uh, just a chancellor of like the Hunter Valley Regional (laughs) Unit. (laughs) Do you guys have jackets? Uh, We've got jackets. We've got bowling shorts. Yeah, nice. Nice. Uh, Shirts. I meant, of course, I'm definitely sober. (laughs) What is um? What's monogrammed on your jacket? Uh, it just says my name, just Matt, and under it, it just says like Chancellor Hunter Valley Subdivision Apex Gang. <laughs> so uh, you know, obviously, we had some questions for you. We had uh, important questions about this because um, the the gang that you are uh, the boss of the Hunter Valley Subdivision of has been featuring pretty prominently in the news at the moment, and um, you know, we we really want to pick your brain about it. Um, I wanted to ask, for example, um, what initiation you had to go through when you joined the Apex Gang. Well, uh, as most people know, the Apex Gang is, some would say it's a race-based gang. I don't think that's true. I, I am, in fact, the only white person in it, <laughs> because probably because they just thought I was cool, you know. And uh, <laughs> thought you could show them a lot a thing of people think there's like a jumping in ceremony, you know, where like... Uh, All the guys gather around and beat you up. But it was actually just a nice firm handshake and uh, they gave me my membership card, the Wi-Fi password, (laughs) and uh, I was in. It's pretty simple, really. Yeah, I think that whole whole initiation thing is really just more of an urban legend. Um, People think that everyone gets around in a ring and beats you, but it's actually uh, just a nice round of firm back padding. From all your colleagues, all your colleagues come in tight. Everybody gives you a nice pat on the back. But of course, over the years, you know the legend grows, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, the Apex Gang does uh, have a long, rich history. It's understandable. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, the Apex Gang actually stretches back to ancient Egypt. That's where the name comes from. They were like uh, we were originally like a paramilitary unit to uh, guard the pyramids, hence Apex, the top of the pyramid. Wow, and, uh, get yeah, some real Apex was, info. Yeah, if anyone gets up there, our job was to play the knockout game on them and just knock them right out. <laughs> and you know the pharaoh would uh, reward us richly. And, yeah, we've uh, we've come down a bit since then, but um, you now we're working on getting back up there, back up to the top, to the apex if you will. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, well, I mean, there was always um, there was always a new leader of the gang back then because uh, whoever was at the top would always wind up getting buried with royalty. Yeah, um, to guard them in the afterlife to um, play the knockout game on any angels that kind of messed with them. Or yeah, there's, there's pros and cons, you know. <laughs> which, uh, which of course, leads me to asking how how you became uh, the leader of the Hunter Valley uh, chapter of the Apex Gang. Uh, well, as I said, I think they added me just because I was uh, so cool and funny. They thought this guy would be a good guy to have around. And once I got in there, I I just had a look at what was going on and just started making some suggestions, little little organizational tweaks like uh, like when you play the knockout game, running up behind someone instead of in front of them so they can't see you coming, so you're doing a king hit. Little uh, suggestions like that, like, yeah, uh, carrying your machete strapped to your leg while you're wearing trousers so no one can see that, you know, you've got it down there. Just uh, little little tips like that. They saw that I had a, you know, a nice clear vision for the gang and and uh, after a few meetings, uh, I was democratically elected the leader. That's beautiful. Well, that is how most gangs work, yeah. Uh, does anybody else have any questions for Matt about the operations of the Apex game? How do the uh, Sudanese feel about uh, FaceApp? <laughs> uh, they weren't a fan of the uh, blackface filter. <laughs> mm. Not a big fan of that one. They quite like the uh, the various smile options. They don't mind. We all have a bit of a giggle. You know, we'll take photos and turn ourselves into girls who, of course, are not under any circumstance. <laughs> is that why they're um is that why they're murdering people in Melbourne? Is it because of the face app? Is it because of the face app? Because they're mad about the face app, so they, they want to murder people in Melbourne who are just going out for dinner. It could be. I think it's also just because uh people from Melbourne are pricks generally. <laughs> hmm. all right. We don't really like all them. Right. Very Maybe he's got a point there. You know, they're kind of stuck up. They're all we come from Melbourne. It's it's like the Paris of Australia. It's more of a European city, really. And you know, and you can only hear that so many times before you start reaching for your machete. Really, I'm feeling mm. persecuted here in this episode. All you northern people, it's disgusting. Like you can't even go out for dinner. Yeah, like I like I feel like I would be macheted by you three. Um, I'd just like to stop for a moment and and just offer one bit of input, which is uh, blackface app. <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, it's what they should have called it. What a poor one. It's nice. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, everybody in Melbourne thinks they're fancy just because they do go out to dinner at places that aren't an RSL. So I wasn't even aware that there were like separate restaurants not attached to pubs. <laughs> Until I read about this news in Melbourne. <laughs> the latest news. Um, yeah, so, of course, um, anybody in Australia has probably probably heard about the news lately. This um, crime wave, crime wave, uh, scary gang violence wave, which um, most people uh, never really see, but we all get to hear about in the newspaper, which is just as scary as being there. Uh, it's been all over the place, and this has, of course, led um, extremely racist. Uh, what what is he now? The Home Affairs Minister, mm, Department of Home Peter Affairs. Uh, yep, from uh, fresh-faced 
uh, potato-faced Queensland pig all the way up to uh, to boss of. Well, first, first they made um, first they made the Department of Immigrations into into Department of Immigration and what was it Border Protection and Immigration? D D B P I P. That's uh, that's it. Sure. They already had to give him like a super agency thing, and now they've like melded that with the police and given him an even bigger uh, home affairs uh, department, and it's it's a little scary. Oh, I think it's on merit. <laughs> well, that is how the Liberal Party works. They do hate their quotas, don't they? They do. If if a meritocracy is all about uh, giving positions to the people with the biggest heads, then Peter Dutton <laughs> definitely merits. He's got eyes everywhere. As the, as the science of phrenology teaches us, of course, um, you can barely get calipers around Peter Dutton's giant That's skull. That's true. But once they're around, you go straight in. <laughs> <laughs> Just sink into that soft flesh. <laughs> it's like a. Um, it's like when you're testing potatoes to see if they're properly boiled yet. Slides the wrong texture. I imagine if you tried to kind of like um you know double palm Peter Dutton's head like a basketball, it would just be like squishing a, a soft shell crab. <laughs> Just give way. Just give way under your hands. And then he would demand that you be seized. This is just a, just a hypothetical. This is satire, of course, but I bet if you like hit his head with a sledgehammer, it would come apart like a watermelon. God, it would feel so good. It would feel so good. I bet it would. Satirically. I bet it would. Imagine if you are... Satirically. Yeah, satirically. Imagine if you are played the knockout game with Peter Dutton and your hand, your hand just sunk in. You know, just kind of enveloped your fist. Well, he does. He is at the top of the. Uh, he earns you the most points in the knockout game if you manage to get Peter Dunn. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Tony Abbott used to be at the top, but someone got him, so. They did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, I, I completely forgotten about that guy and um, who headbutted Tony Abbott and. I still think um, I still think that that guy wins points um, for when he, when he was asked about it when he was asked to give his explanation mm. and he said I don't care about any of the same sex marriage stuff I just fucking hate that guy I just wanted to nut him <laughs> yeah I just wanted to nut did he say I just wanted to nut that guy yeah. I think yeah, 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 yeah I'm sure he did yeah. that's I'm pretty sure that was the quote beautiful just legend legend. Absolute legend. Um, so yeah, there's been there's been stories, been stories cropping up in the media of late, and of course the media has taken it and absolutely run with it uh, about all this gang violence, despite the fact they've done a lot of investigating, a lot of uh, hard hitting reports. Oh yeah, oh yeah, a lot of facts, <laughs> a lot of real work on the ground. Um, despite Victoria uh, actually posting its its biggest drop in the crime rate in uh, over ten years. So it sort of seems like Matt, you're not doing your job, and you're a fucking mm. idiot. Or maybe <laughs> I'm doing it so well that the police haven't noticed yet. <laughs> yeah, they can't even catch it. Maybe, maybe all the people that are getting knocked out are so scared to report him, or they have um, knockout game induced amnesia. That's it. Ah. That's exactly it. that's the beauty of the knockout game is that you don't remember it happened to you. You just wake up and think, oh, I must have passed out. And this nice Sudanese man is helping me to my feet. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 
He's handing me my wallet that I thought I had some money in, but I guess I don't. And that large Australian man is standing across the street taking notes and giving the thumbs up for some reason. <laughs> I wonder what he's doing. So, yeah, there's been there's been reporting about this in the media and I couldn't help but take in a, uh, a story in The Australian today, the least racist uh, broadsheet in Australia, but also the only broadsheet left in Australia. So, <laughs> so it's technically the most racist too. So, I read a story today entitled dun, 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 Streets of Menace, Ooh. which is a fucking great name. Um, and and it's it's got an interesting little hook into the content there. Uh, Streets of Menace, Gang Violence in the Suburbs, written by the suspiciously named Rebecca Urban. Interesting. She knows her stuff then. That's right. That's right. Uh, Rebecca sets the scene. It was more than just an out-of-control party. Having trashed the rented property, the, scare quotes, guests spilled outside, pelting rocks at neighboring properties, trampling cars and smashing windscreens with garden stakes or whatever else they could find. Residents of the quiet street in Werribee in Melbourne's west cowered inside their homes, terrified as the angry mob's chance about being out to, quote, get whites <laughs> were eventually drowned out by the roar of police helicopters. I knew you'd like that line, Lucy. It's <laughs> fantastic. I'm going to get Very the whites. Believable. Now, I, I really enjoy that there is pretty much uh, zero evidence to go along with any of this. The scene, according to witnesses, was warlike. And as bewildered police combed through the mess the next morning, they came across a curious calling card. The letters MTS and Apex Ooh. scrawled on broken furniture. Matt V. Brady's been here. <laughs> So they um they they do have a photo of this in the story and it's literally like Apex and MTS written in chalk on a kitchen counter. <laughs> yeah, that's how you tag. That's how the kids yeah. tag these days, isn't it? Yep. Uh kitchen counters, that's that's the spot to bomb. So uh she goes on. While the Apex gang was known to police, having become synonymous with Melbourne's African gang problem following the Mumba riots almost two years ago, MTS, thought to stand for Menace to Society, in reference to 1993 US street gangster film Menace to Society, <laughs> was something different. Now, she does bother to say in this story, released in 1993, the American film Menace to Society tells the story of Kane, a, quote, thug with a heart from the wrong side of the tracks who battles disadvantage, drugs and crime in an attempt to build a better life. Along with the 1991 cult classic Boys in the Hood, it gained notoriety for its unbridled violence, profanity and drug-related content, helping oh, to don't bring Boys in the Hood into this. I know, helping to popularize the urban crime drama genre. Uh, thank you for explaining, uh, number one, that MTS possibly stands for Menace to Society, which is also possibly a reference to a movie from over 20 years ago. There's a lot of maybes in this story. Doing a lot of guesswork, it seems. Yeah. Mm, you say that, but I still think it's worth checking uh, the rental history at the uh, Newcastle Civic Video uh, to see whether Menace to Society has gone out on VHS. On, uh, step ahead of you again, Theo. You see, every little, really, every single video rental place in Newcastle is a front for the Apex game. 
It's already owned by the gangs. There actually, there actually is still a video rental place in my hometown, and I swear to God, I've never seen a single person go into it for about ten years now. And it's got to be a front. It's got to be. There was a uh, there was a, a store just down the street from us where we lived in Melbourne that was like it just sold like big ass chandeliers, <laughs> basically. That sounds good. Big, um, uh-huh. In the chandelier district. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. It was like a Miramar or something. Miramar lighting. Um, it was on. Oh, it was on like a- Mirabelle. They sell good yeah. chandeliers. Good chandeliers. That's right. Beautiful chandeliers and uh, not a soul ever to be seen in that store. Um, I've never seen anyone in there. I never will because it's absolutely a front for the Apex gang. Mm. So it's Franco Cotto. Oh yeah, those beautiful, those beautiful bedheads. They're beautiful, and the rumor is that it's a drug front, but I think it's an apex gang front, and has been since the uh, early nineties. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, number one, you need a way to launder the money that you get from people's wallets when you play the knockout game with them. Exactly, so uh, you buy beautiful number, bed. Yeah, number two, your gang members need just a, a gorgeous, uh, ornately carved. Uh, 1980s style bedhead. Mm. Hmm. Uh, and why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? And it's why in Footscray. Footscray is a it's an ethnic place, which we all know is a it's a crime hotspot in Melbourne. Scared to go out to dinner. Hmm. Terrified. So um so this whole story in the Australian continues on, and um and again there's there is that bit of guesswork where at one point she's saying something like um. So, yes, while Australia may have, like as in might have, a crime problem with, uh, with, with gangs of African youths, possibly specifically uh, Sudanese youths. So, she's like drilling down through all these demographics um, and each one of them is preceded by a maybe, um, which I really like. So, because you're basically saying, who knows? Who knows? Possibly. Could be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they, they go into a bit of, you know, some testimonials from, from people in the community. And one of the people they talk to, uh, is a gentleman called Nellie Yoa. And this is where it gets kind of interesting to me. Um, Sudanese born elite soccer player and aspiring AFL footballer, Nellie Yoa came to Australia via an Egyptian refugee camp when he was 13 in 2003. He knows how easy it is to head down the wrong path. Uh, quote, it starts off as petty crime, but then it just gets worse and worse. Uh, can you confirm that, Matt? Uh, yep, that's pretty much how I started out, you know, shoplifting and stuff like that. But then you go through uh, the Apex Gang's career improvement path. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Apex ten. Gang work experience program. <laughs> Get your Cert 3 in uh, <laughs> criminality. Get your trade certificate. <laughs> Well, you've got to move up from um, from shoplifting to robbery, and then you go to armed robbery. And Grand Theft uh, Auto. Oh, yeah, it's good stuff. I can't even begin to imagine where you would sell a car that you'd stolen. Oh, you know, just the blokes. You just go, you want a car? Just the blokes? You go, oh, I've got a car. Do you want a car? And eventually someone says yes. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like whenever I have read like a... Uh, or- I read stories about like, you know, how you can't buy guns in Australia. 
or you're having a conversation with a group of people about how you can't buy guns in Australia, seems like there's always one person in the conversation who will say, oh, yeah, but you could get a gun really quick if you knew where to ask. I'm like, where's that then? People are always just kind of like, you know, the boys. (laughs) You just ask a bloke. You ask a bloke and he knows a bloke and you get a gun. Just ask around down the pub. Just maybe buy a gun. He's asked a bloke who knows a bloke who's definitely an undercover cop and yeah, yeah. yeah. within a couple of weeks you're in jail. It's simple. Yeah. I love how many of those stories about um, somebody trying to have somebody uh, assassinated or like trying to have their their wife murdered or whatever. It's it's just always a cop that they're talking to, isn't it? It's always a cop. Yeah, it's always, it, always it, like, uh, like uh, undercover police make up a substantial percentage of the underworld in Australia. I wonder how many uh, undercover cops try to arrest each other on the regular. <laughs> People are like, oh, I wonder if, wonder if anyone in this bar is looking to have someone killed. Like that, uh, did you all see that news story from America where two different groups of undercover cops got into a gunfight yes. with each other? <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. It's perfect. They've all been shooting and everything and they finally figured it out. I think 80% of the Whirlpool forums are undercover cops. <laughs> <laughs> the other 20% is, uh, is uh, uh, landlords. Oh, man. Oh, land- landlords. There's the real criminals. Am I right, guys? Mm. I actually, I agree. I strongly sense. agree. You guys aren't landlords, are you? No landlords on here? I am not, No. No. That's good. I think a landlord's worse than a cop. <laughs> I'm not going to elaborate on that. I just think they're worse than cop. I think that's a good um, thing to tweet hey. and then not answer any of the thousands of at replies you'll get. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to do that right now. Yeah, just do, it. just do it while you're on here. And then we'll check in later on to see how it went. Yeah. Um, ALAB, you know? I don't know. All, all, all landlords are bastards. Well, thank you, thank you, Matt. At least you speak uh, speak the underworld language. Yeah, I'm going to scribble that in chalk on the side of the school. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, back to uh, back to friend of the show, Nelly Yoa. So um, yes, Nelly Nelly was once headed down the same path, mixing with a troublemaking crowd. Uh, which I believe is uh, how how you guys refer to each other in the Apex Gang, Matt. Yeah. Troublemakers. Which makes it sound pretty mild, really. Uh, it was only when he was attacked with a machete, which almost ended his sporting career, mm, mm. that he started to turn his life around. Uh, tired of the repeated excuses he was hearing for the behavior of some of his countrymen, Yoa hit out this week at police, the state government, and his own community's leaders over their denials about the existence of Sudanese gangs. <clears throat> in a scathing opinion piece published by Fairfax Media, he says there is a, quote, major issue, end quote, among young, Su- uh, young South Sudanese people in Melbourne, and trying to defend it or cover it up is immoral and inexplicable. So, yeah, so this guy got a uh, an opinion column uh, in Fairfax. Uh, he was also quoted uh, extensively in this article in The Australian. He has claimed to... Uh, do like a lot of youth outreach work, uh, including with the Apex Gang. Now, it starts to come unstuck pretty quickly here um, when people have taken even the most cursory amount of time 
uh, to do a little examination of, of Nelly's claims and his background and his so-called um, elite sporting career. Uh, mm. If you would like to, to try and get a, get a bit of a look at what this is all about, I would suggest uh, checking in on Twitter with friend of the show, um, Vince Rugari, uh, who is a, a sports reporter, particularly uh, soccer Twitter. Uh, and he has been extremely bemused by this because um, apparently Nellioa has a reputation as being extremely full of shit. Hmm. Uh, he, he loves to get in the media and say things, and it turns out that none of those things are true. Uh, so, n- not least of which is the, um, is the business about his um, elite, being an elite sporting person. <laughs> um, he's, he's made claims about how he was, um, uh, just before the machete attack, he was allegedly on the verge of a multi-million dollar contract with Melbourne Victory Football Club. Uh, which would have made him one of their highest paid players, even though he had never played professional football before. Um, so this kind of seemed like the start of of when he when he came to prominence after being um, you know involved in this machete attack. Uh, he then told people, "Ah, yes, it almost stopped me being an extremely elite football player, which I absolutely am." Yeah, that checks out to me. Yeah. Uh, so he he stated this about the about Melbourne victory, and none of that was true, um, as far as anyone can tell. In 2013, he stated he trialed at Chelsea FC and Queens Park Rangers, uh, and played for a non-professional team Kwame in the Maltese second division while turning down offers from Australian and Asian teams. Uh, again, this is something where people are looking into it now, and nobody can find any form of evidence whatsoever that he has ever trialed what uh, with any of these teams. Um, I don't know why anyone would be like, Shocked. oh yeah, I, I totally, I totally played for a, um, an English Premier League team because it seems like that's the thing that's kind of easy to find out. Mm. I, for one, am shocked uh, that a man who stood up in the media and said that the Apex gang are definitely real turned out to be a liar. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's so... So mainly, this to me is an interesting reflection of the idea that, uh, weirdly enough, this guy got a whole lot of attention and got his opinion published everywhere because, yeah, like you said, Matt, he got up and said, not only is the Apex gang real, but they are strong and they are my friends. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I work with them. I work with them on a regular basis. Uh, What what were you just saying to me before we started recording, Matt, about, um, about the... The sort of outreach organizations? Uh, yeah, apparently this uh, Sudanese uh, youth organization in Melbourne that he claims to represent have uh, come out and officially said he's got no connection with them whatsoever. Yeah, so that's a good look. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, you think uh, some of the reporters might have double-checked that before running with these stories? You'd think any of them might have single-checked it. Uh, but apparently, <laughs> apparently nobody did. Um, so, well, and like, and that story just- is just so convincing. It's so universal, you know. Like when I was sixteen, for example, I got into a gunfight with uh, a triad gang, and it ruined mm-hmm. my chance at trying out for the Newcastle Knights. And my career never really, my football career never really took off after that. So. When I read Nelly's really story, I just thought this is just so relatable that uh, why would I disbelieve it at all? 
Why would I do yeah, any why would I whatsoever? Why would I Google this man's name? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why would I think about it for even a moment? Why would I look a gift horse in the mouth, though? That's what I want to know. Mm. Mm. Well, we were also just talking about um, uh, a, a relatively prominent um, imam in Australia who is is very critical of the Muslim community. Um, and strangely, he tends to get quoted a whole lot by the conservative media and by uh, right-wing pundits and all that sort of stuff. And it's almost like they don't actually respect um, the opinions or positions of Muslim people. Uh, it's just very convenient for them when one of them stands up and very publicly excoriates the rest of the community because then they can say, ah, see, this guy know what's, knows what's up and now I'm not racist. If a Sudanese guy says that the Apex gang is um, super real and devastating, uh, then I can't be a racist for saying that he's right. We should put them all down. Mm. But uh, yeah, so that's that. It, it got just blasted around the place, and strangely enough, it was it was soccer Twitter that um, immediately unpicked that story. Yeah, um, I saw like a long time. Um uh, MUFO, uh, Jordan Witt, um, do a, a very good breakdown, um, on this. Uh, and I, it's, it's like I said, it's uh, strange enough. It's the sporting community that sort of pulled this thread apart. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was clearly the, it was clearly the fact that, um, that the various newspapers that were publishing uh, the quotes from him kept referring to him as like an elite football player and professional football player. That was what made them all go, hold the fuck up. Hold up for a second. I feel like I might have heard absolutely anything about this guy ever uh, if he, for some reason, was going to be, you know, the highest paid player at Melbourne FC. It's, a, it's an easy lie to tell in a country like Australia, which has such a massive uh, soccer population, you know, so many <laughs> so many teams and it's so popular. It's very easy to lie about that, uh, yeah, it's not a surprise to me that uh, no one thought to track this guy down and mm. actually talk to any of the clubs he claimed to have tried out for. So... I, I have honestly been having trouble keeping up with this because all this stuff was unfolding today. Yeah, it's happened quite quickly. And, I had, mm, and I've been um, – because uh, I knew we were going to talk about the uh, the Sudanese gang stuff today. And all of this stuff started unfolding, which was very interesting to me, but also happening at quite a pace that I was I was having trouble sort of untangling it all to get some notes together for the show. But – so, there's been a series of other interesting things, including – uh, Nelly talking to Media Watch because uh, Media Watch were saying this guy's full of shit. <laughs> uh, he he had given them some some quotes, you know, uh, but he'd spoken to them and they'd said, yeah, you know, pretty clearly the stuff he was telling us is untrue. You know, things are going um, pretty well when you're talking to Media Watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, ah, but get this, he spoke to Media Watch first. Um, and then he spoke to the Daily Mail and then told the Daily Mail that he had never spoken to Media Watch <laughs> and they'd made it all up. Classic. And so Media Watch and Daily Mail would have posted an article like saying, oh, well, we don't really know. We're looking into it, right? Like that's sort of like, 
the article oh, that yeah, they posted. You know, that's what the Daily Mail are all about. It wasn't uh, smug PC idiots uh, get smashed by uh, Nelly Yoa, and he's furious about it. Um, all right. Would, would you like to hear the headline that the Daily Mail chose to go with? Yeah. It's it's, extre- it's extremely level-headed. It's really measured. It's the sort of sensible, hard-hitting journalism you would expect from the Daily Mail. <clears throat> Here's the headline. Miss Lydia Watch! <laughs> oh. Exclamation. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Exclamation mark. Got him. How the ABC Smug PC Brigade verbaled a source to try to run down the male's groundbreaking coverage of Melbourne's African Apex gang. Oh, and he's so absolutely good. furious. As opposed to the American and Asian Apex gangs. Yeah, well, um, I feel like that's kind of a dig at you. Yeah, uh, Matt. you get that a lot. You know, I after all, you get sick of adding and Australian whenever someone says African, so you just kind of let it mm. slide. I've kind of given up that fight of African and one Australian gang. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's fair to call you um, like the Eminem of. Of the Australian criminal underworld. I think it's fair to say that uh, in Africa, they call me Brother Matthew. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that's very fair. I think that's very fair. Um, So, yeah, the Daily Mail have posted this piece uh, in in which they've talked about Media Watch talking to Nelly. uh, Nelly has told Media Watch, there's been bad media reports about the gang and this is what they do. This is how they sell their content. They have directly quoted him in a phone call to Media Watch. Um, media Watch, of course, uh, selling their yes. commercialized content. Uh, ABC, for, infamous oh, for selling their content. <laughs> uh, well, sorry, the, the actual like thread that we're picking apart here is that the Daily Mail wrote some <laughs> bullshit as they do where they attributed quotes to to Nelly media watched asked him about the um the daily mail piece and he said oh they they just sell their content by doing this shit uh media watch says the mail's reporter belinda cleary should have known the claim was nonsense because she'd written about Nelly or in the mail only 3 months earlier presenting him as a hero and she had also friended him on facebook uh <laughs> So, they've sent this screen capture to Nelly, who has replied, I never spoke to Media Watch on November 15th. I never called them. They called me. They lied. I'm gobsmacked. He is literally gobsmacked. So, they didn't speak or they called him? Well, it's a fine line, isn't it? It's a fine distinction. Um, uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I never called them. They called me and then I spoke to them. But we never spoke. Like, well, so, yeah, so you spoke to them. That's what you're getting at. It's, uh, it's very silly. And the Daily Mail, of course, uh, are ridiculous. But did you see the tweet afterwards from the Media Watch reporter that said, oh, well, after this story was published, we sent our phone recordings uh, and, and emails to the Daily Mail. Um, <laughs> and they haven't replied back yet. So it's funny how that... Mm-hmm. It's it's like uh, 
the friend of a friend on Twitter, um, on Facebook that you're not quite sure how you're friends with, but they really like Hillary. Um, they um, <laughs> they kept the receipts. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Yes. I think. <laughs> I do like this line from the Daily Mail piece. Daily Mail Australia is in frequent contact with Mr. Yor as a source on Apex. He works with members of the gang as a social worker. Apparently also not true. Um, but look, when has that ever stopped the Daily Mail before? Mm. Uh, the answer is never, not even for a moment. I feel like I should also say it's we. I think everyone in Australia kind of takes Media Watch for granted these days, but they really oh, are yeah. fucking good. And have been for like decades now. Is it just that people don't like the new host as much? I don't know. I feel like even, I feel like they never really get the credit they deserve or haven't for like a long time. I feel like we just, Mm. uh, people just take them for granted because they've been there for so long. It's a good unit though. And like there has been the odd time when they've kind of like messed something up, but I'm pretty sure they always just kind of go, we fucked that up. Like they don't do the the yeah. in- incredible defensiveness of the Daily Mail or whatever. I mean, in fairness, they don't have a lot of time left over in between just um, completely openly stealing writing from other journalists. Uh, I know we've talked about it on the show before, but I do remember that piece that was uh, – it was written by somebody who had been like an intern at the Daily Mail and they were just like, it's horrifying. It's just, it's just this, this factory where, you know, they say oh, like they do a training program with you where they go, oh, you know, you're going to be doing all this journalism and doing this amazing stuff. And what you actually do is you sit there for like 18 hour shifts of just taking another news story, copying the, the text, putting a bullet point list at the top, just pumping shit out. Don't like forget the, the number of stories. Ugh. <laughs> the number of stories you're supposed to do in a day is, uh, is out of control. Now, I did want to jump just, uh, just quickly to a second, uh, for a second to something else that, uh, that happened this week, which I think is worth commenting on. And it'll seem unrelated at first, uh, but we'll get there, folks. We'll get there. Um, now, if you, well, I suppose uh, if you use Twitter, but also maybe even if you don't use Twitter, you might have heard about a thing that happened this week. Uh, of course, I'm talking about dear friend of the show, Pixelated Boat, uh, and a little bit that he did about the book that was coming out about the first few months of um, Donald Trump's administration. In the White He's going to get murdered. He's going to get murdered by the government. <laughs> uh, Just a well, let's, hope, let's hope not. Let's hope not. Um, oh, wait. You mean Pixelated Boat or the guy who wrote the book? Oh, Pixelated Boat. He's going to be, be killed by the government. Oh, okay. That's, no, that's fair. It'll be very um, sad. but So, yeah, yeah this... this <laughs> well, we'll all, we'll all be sad. All so, right, this hey. book was coming out. R.I.P. Pixelated Boat died doing what he loved, uh, having people mistake his jokes for truth. So, this this book has been in the works and it's it's coming out and it's called Fire and Fury by S- someone Wolf. So, what's what's the guy's first name? Oh, I can't uh, Wolf. Wolf. Something. 
Wolf. Dick wolf. Wolf. Uh, wolf, 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 wolf. wolf. Just wolf. Wolf, wolf. Has written this book, and apparently he uh, somehow just managed to get like quite unlimited access to Trump in the White House, including basically just taking up a semi-permanent spot on the couch in the White House with a constant tape recorder running. Um, and just because he kind of showed up and said, you mind if I sit here? And they went, all right, uh, because they're completely incompetent and have no idea what they're doing at all. So he got to he got to do that and he, you know, racked up all this stuff and it turns out that it's exactly like you would have thought and that Donald Trump is a huge fucking soft-brained moron uh, and so is everybody else around him. Uh, Jared Kushner is a massive fail son who can't do anything right. Um, they're all just hugely moronic. Now, Pixelated Boat has done uh, a, a bit that he does on a regular basis, which is to post um, a piece of writing that he has clearly written and he, he posits it as though it is uh, an excerpt from a book or a magazine article or a quote from a celebrity or something like that. Uh, if you are even passingly familiar with his comedy, it will be very quickly recognizable to you as exactly that. I'm going to have to read it to you now for the context of the piece. Um, he says, wow, this extract from Wolf's book is a shocking insight into Trump's mind. And then he has uh, a screenshot of, of this text, supposedly from a book. Let me read it to you so you can tell how recognizable it is as a very serious piece of writing. On his first night in the White House, President Trump complained that the TV in his bedroom was broken because it didn't have, quote, the gorilla channel. Trump seemed to be under the impression that a TV channel existed that screened nothing but guerrilla-based content 24 hours a day. To appease Trump, White House staff compiled a number of guerrilla documentaries into a makeshift guerrilla channel broadcast into Trump's bedroom from a hastily constructed transmission tower on the South Lawn. However, Trump was unhappy with the channel they'd created, moaning that it was, quote, boring because, quote, the guerrillas aren't fighting. Stop. <laughs> Staff edited out all the parts of the documentaries where guerrillas weren't hitting each other, and at last the president was satisfied. Quote, on some days, he'll just watch the guerrilla channel for 17 hours straight, an insider told me. He kneels in front of the TV with his face about four inches from the screen and says encouraging things to the guerrillas, like, the way you hit that other guerrilla was good. I think he thinks the guerrillas can hear him. 85,000 likes, 25,000 retweets. <laughs> Wow. So, as has happened a couple of times before with Pixelated Boat, um, this has taken on a horrifying life of its own where thousands and thousands of people have suddenly mistaken this for a real piece of writing about Donald Trump. Uh, this includes Australia's own Samantha Maiden. Uh, oh, wow. she, she posted it from, from Sky News. She posted it. Uh, with uh, and she's since deleted the tweet, but um, so I couldn't find it. But it was something along the lines of, "Oh my god, I can't believe the president crawls around on the floor in front of the TV like a big baby." <laughs> uh, it was also like reposted by a bunch of other pundits and everything who said, "Can you believe this? This crazy stuff." Eric this Garland. Crazy stuff. Of course, Eric Garland. Oh, Eric Garland. And, like, should it be any surprise that it's the softest brain charlatans that are getting, falling afoul of this 
and then and then going, mm. oh, oh, oh well, you know, it, it could be true. You just mm. this is the kind of <laughs> this is the world we live in. It's like no, it's not. You're, it's really not. Pose law is no excuse. You just like you need a little post-it note that you stick up on your little on your monitor there, and, and it says, you know, check if this could have been done with Chrome's F12 button. Hmm. Like and well, and just journalistic a- integrity would just rise like twenty percent. Yeah, just just check like at all. Ask somebody. Just Come look on, at man. the person's Twitter once, like a cursory browse. That see, would really see, solve maybe everything. perhaps whether it's someone who's uh, quite famously done exactly this previously with Tiny Train World. Um, yes, of course, but, Tiny Train World. Um, but no, no, no. Um, third time's going to be the charm. He's he's not going to do it again. You just watch. Now, Tiny Train World, for those who aren't familiar, is um, an almost identical series of events in which uh, The Guardian um, posted an article uh, that was about, you know, the the dystopian Black Mirror future that we're all living in. And they inserted into it an excerpt from 1984 by George Orwell. The problem was that the excerpt that they had inserted was actually one of Pixelated Boat's jokes. Uh, I can read that quote to you now if you would like. Uh, And once again, let's consider this in the context of, let's say, yeah, let's say say you don't know where it's from or anything like that. Uh, Big Brother smirked. Facts are whatever I say they are. For example, trains are small, really small. You could fit a train in the palm of your hand. That's not true, spluttered Winston. I was on a train yesterday. It's the biggest damn thing I'd ever seen. No, big brother. It was small. Welcome to tiny train world, Winston. Enjoy not being able to catch a train on account of their being too small, you idiot. (laughs) So, and they they posted that, that specific quote. Uh, now, as they as they say, um, you know, here in this in this piece that I'm reading it from, if you only have a passing knowledge of 1984 or books <laughs> in general, you may think "Tiny Train World" is a plausible phrase to appear in a world no, famous piece of literature. <laughs> but that is not the case. Well, see, I, no, I was thinking about this from like if if you had genuinely only vaguely heard someone communicate to you the concept of 1984 even then he's like he's saying things like enjoy not being able to catch a train on account of there being too small you idiot i also like i also like that in this quote big brother is a character <laughs> yeah <laughs> that famous that character winston, yeah that winston famous actually character. talking to big brother one of those classic literary so, characters, Big Brother. <sighs> good old Big Brother. Um, yeah, and and there was there was like a bunch of backtracking from people, and not necessarily even backtracking from the people who had quoted. Yeah, one of the uh, you know the, the one of the first tweets I saw about this was from Farhad Manju, who I think writes for Slate. And he mm-hmm. initially tweeted, "I'm sorry, I have a question. Is the Gorilla Channel thing real or fake?" I thought it was clearly fake, but people are talking about it as if it's real and I don't know who's mistaken. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't look it up because it might be fake, even though he just said he was sure it was fake. 
And then his second tweet was, don't tweet screenshots of fake text, even as a joke. You're making things worse. (laughs) The jokes just don't work in a partisan echo chamber feed world where everything is divorced from context and authorship. Also, they're not funny, which seems like an unnecessary judgment on uh, Pixelated Boat's tweet, which I thought was pretty funny. That's just sour because he got got. Yeah, Yeah, to Farhad, I'd say, uh, how about you do your fucking job? You're a journalist. Do your fucking job. Just it's do like your a job. very That's basic journalism. You to do. do your job. <laughs> Just what's with do. all this like? What's with all this fiction on TV as well? Like I turn on the TV and <laughs> the thing I'm watching it might it might not even be real. And that's not mm. that's not helpful to me, an idiot who interprets everything as gospel. Has anyone seen this show, Fargo? That's it. Seems like there's a lot of stuff going down in there's that city. There's so much crime in the, so yeah, much, the Midwest. Like, I really feel like the police should be doing more to stop crime in the town of Fargo. Yeah, they're like the apex gang of the of uh, people that talk funny. <laughs> um, yeah, like through the apex gang, and- eh? <laughs> Thinking going down the lake a little later, doing some crime. That's just Irish now. <laughs> well, further to your point, Matt. Uh, yeah, like to say, oh, well, this this joke doesn't work in a hyper partisan echo chamber. It's like, well, that's that's kind of that's your problem. Yeah, you signed it's, up for this. Well, I mean, like, I do understand that uh, with Trump, it is a bit different in that. I do fully believe he would ask for something like a Gorilla TV channel. That is actually mm. believable. But but this is this is claiming to be an excerpt from a book which is available, which you can go and buy and read, which if you're a journalist, you should be fucking doing because that's your fucking job. Yeah. Mm. And um so I I read I read a couple of things from um a friend of the show. Adam Johnson, Adam H. Johnson, who you can find on Twitter at uh, Adam Johnson NYC, uh, who is a writer. And he, he just had a couple of thoughts on this, um, which I thought were interesting. And he says, uh, not to think piece the Gorilla Channel thing, um, but if you get sloppy and fall for a prank or spread misinformation, you don't get to say uh, the fact that it seems true proves my point. This is a popular face saving line in general when people get caught being credulous and it's dumb. Falling for misinformation or a joke is not a testament to how meta right you are in some greater truth sense. It's a testament to how much you seek stories that reaffirm your biases. This is a problem to some extent for everyone, but be honest about it. And I thought that really kind of just hit the nail on the head in mm. terms of um, just particularly where, where people won't, people don't backtrack on this shit when they get, when they get had by it and then they post it. And go, oh my god! I can't believe he kisses the gorillas on the TV. <laughs> um, yeah, that that like by saying ah, but it but it's it but the fact that it's believable is is just crazy, isn't it? The fact that you could read that and think, oh yeah, that's totally plausibly something that Trump could do. That kind of proves that I I wasn't wrong to like <laughs> sp- spread that as a thing. And of course, as you were saying, Matt. You're, you're a fucking journalist. Like your whole your whole job is just verifying information, verifying and communicating information. Like you don't get to say, yeah, we live in a fantasy world where the, the president is moronically stupid, which he absolutely is, and we all agree on it. That's fine. But um, but like, 
there's there's so many things about Trump that are already this dumb that we already have. That's mm. fine. That's kind of that's why I'm not really yeah. interested in this whole book in general because the whole thing seems to just be a whole book about how dumb and crazy Trump is and he's been president for a year. I don't really need a book to prove to me what an idiot this man is. I've I've got the last year and the uh however many years he's been alive before that as evidence of how stupid he really is. Yeah. And I think you have to you have to also apply the same sort of critical thought to the book, um, which is to say he's just writing down words that he is apparently being told or heard. Um, I think it's a bit worrying how the book is presented. Um, in that I don't know if you haven't read it, it's sort of very he pre- presents the conversation and then and he presents the tone around the conversation as well, um, and he puts. Uh, emotions and like expressions onto people into conversations that he wasn't necessarily uh, there for. And, you know, again, Trump is super stupid. Everyone involved is super stupid and evil. uh, And most of this stuff is probably pretty close to the mark, but we can't like, I think the worrying stuff is that people on the left uh, are falling for, for certain things like this guerrilla channel thing. And you have to be, you have to slow down and be critical about this stuff. Well, it's just because they're just so goddamn super eager to be like, yes. well, he's, yeah, he's, he's abs- like, yeah, of course he's done. This is, this is the, this is the thing that finally proves that Trump is stupid enough to not be president. Well, um, not the fact that he's holding a, a fake awards show. He's doing a fake Oscars where he's going to be <laughs> on the red carpet. He's actually going to do it. Um. I should say as well, though, there was another story that came out today that uh, that the author of that book has also just revealed um, after letting Trump take um, 72 hours to say it's all completely fake and it's all made up and it's fake news and fiction and everything. Uh, this guy has now just casually dropped that he also recorded all of these conversations. <laughs> <laughs> apparently he has apparently he has dozens of hours of audio of all of the shit that he quotes in the no, book. No, it's fake news. Uh, it's fake news, Andrew. Which is great. Oh well you can just you can you can do special That's effects. Interesting. This, voices is, this was kind of preceded by uh, this is a story that didn't get a lot of attention, but I found it very funny. One of Trump's appointees to i think ambassador for i think it's amsterdam not amsterdam uh the netherlands i think Mm. it's ah fuck i should have double checked i'm pretty sure it's the netherlands and uh apparently in the past this uh guy had said some rather racist things about immigrant gangs in the netherlands which relates to our topic today and uh, a journalist from the Netherlands confronted him with this and said, why did you say these racist things? And he said, I didn't. It's fake news. I never said these things. The journalist then played the recording he had of the guy saying the exact things he was accused of saying and asked him, why did you say it's fake news when that's clearly you saying it? And the guy replied, I never said it was fake news. Oh, so good. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um no, I was I was having a conversation today with um friend of the show, my wife Eleanor, um, and another friend of the show, uh, Frankie, who you can find on Twitter at uh, Licky Mivage, and <laughs> and she yeah she was saying she was like no there's there will never be anything funnier to me than um than Trump and his gold sharpie, uh, 
which is his whole thing that he has where he reads, you know, he gets people to bring him newspapers with stories about him or about people that he doesn't like. Um, and if there is something that is complimentary of him or is uh, critical of a person who has, you know, said something he didn't like in the past, he circles it in his gold sharpie <laughs> and he writes a note to that person and he signs it and then he has the like the physical copy, like he has the newspaper posted to them with his gold sharpie annotation on it. Um, and... Yeah, and Elna was also saying she was like, "No, there will never be anything funnier to me than the um, the story about uh, him getting dinner at one of the functions that he was holding at, like Mar-a-Lago or wherever it was." And over over the course of this dinner, they were like, "Yeah, so everybody they bring out the same meal for everyone. They bring out a salad for everybody, and everybody has like a vinaigrette on the side, except for Trump, and he gets Thousand Island dressing." And then they bring out, uh, you know, the they bring out the main meal for everybody, and everybody gets this except for Trump, and he gets this thing that's a little bit different. And then they bring out dessert at the end, which is a slice of apple pie and a scoop of vanilla ice cream, which everybody gets except for Donald Trump, who gets two scoops of vanilla ice cream. <laughs> because that's a real thing. It's a real thing that he's just like. I'm yeah. I'm the big boy. I'm the big boy at the dinner, and I make the rules. And I get two scoops of ice cream with my dessert, and nobody else at the dinner gets two scoops of ice cream. Why? Why are we living in this reality? That's I hate it. We one hundred percent. We do deserve, deserve it. it. I feel like this is just punishment for the rest of history. Yeah. This is. This feels like purgatory. I feel like honestly, we've all died and gone to purgatory. And mm. just, yeah, yeah, we're in hell. Yeah. Well, living in weird, weird Trump limbo. Um, but I guess, I guess the point that I make though is that when you have things like that, which are very real and documented, and it just from from the last year and from you know the whole um, 140 years he's been alive before that, uh, yeah, like you already have all of that shit. So to your point, Theo. Why do you need to immediately leap on absolutely anything, no matter how ridiculous it sounds, in order to just say, oh, gotcha, gotcha? Yeah, it's like, yep, we know Trump's an idiot. Uh, we know he's one of the weirdest people um, to be alive, let alone uh, take the office of president. Uh, you know, why don't we focus on anything that's material, uh, any, anything at all that you can do to help the situation? Because, like, fuck. They're not going to get rid of him. They can't at this at this point. Like it, it takes. He's going to have to shit someone else's bed for them to, um, you know, twenty fifth amendment him. It's, it's not going to happen. So you know, really, instead of this constant like culture warring, uh, and I know people say that they can chew gum and walk at the same time, but they cannot um you know why not concentrate <laughs> on on things that actually matter like you know him totally destroying the tax system or healthcare or blah 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 you know it goes on and on you know this is this stuff is probably it's fun uh but it's definitely not helpful but yeah i, w- I would definitely argue that a lot of people in those positions like the the people who have disappeared right down the rabbit hole of like leftist conspiracy theory stuff. And obviously you can go right to the extreme of like your, your Eric Garland's and your Louise Menches and stuff like people who, who are just in this world of like, uh, 
you know, a video is going to come out of fucking Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin 69ing and it's going to bring down both countries and all this God, shit. I hope so. That'd be so and- funny. <laughs> That'd be so funny. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, I think, I think for the harder people go in terms of like believing all of that stuff, the harder people go with it, the more they let themselves think, well, we don't need to worry about any of this other stuff. We don't need to worry about like, you know, winning back the Senate. We don't need to worry about like, um, you know, we don't need to worry about fighting for a minimum wage. We don't have to do any hard work. Yeah, we don't have to do any of the stuff that actually has a material impact on people's lives on a daily basis. Any ugly truths, because if Russia really did magically hack this election, it means it turns out that, oh, good news, there actually isn't anything wrong with America. We can just go on living our lives as we were beforehand. Mm, Good news, uh, Hillary Clinton Clinton didn't just uh, lose... A, an election with a billion dollar campaign against one of the most unpopular candidates, mm. unpopular, unqualified candidates ever field in, <laughs> fielded in the history of their country. Still has a lower popularity rating than Trump a year after the election. Incredible, isn't it? Incredible. Just a bunch of Bernie bros on here. It's disgusting. Mm, I'm sorry. I know, that, sorry. I know that you are still Excuse with me. her. I, I am still with her. Up. Thank you very much. Mm. That's fine. That's good. So yes, in a very roundabout way, uh, I would I would draw a parallel between the pixelated boat gorilla channel tale from this week, um, and the reception that Nelly Yo got in his stories about uh, the Apex Gang and being an elite level football player, because basically he just put his hand up and said, "Hey, I'm perfectly happy to tell you exactly what you want to hear." And that was all it took for um, a bunch of different journos to just go, cool, I don't need to know anything else. It's nice um, when someone else writes my story for me and yeah. there's a lot of work. Yeah. I'd agree, I'd agree well, yeah, with Andrew's conclusion as well that Pixelated Boat is as bad as Nelly Yawa. Totally. Uh, yeah, I would agree that um, Pixelated Boat is as bad as the Apex Gang. Mm. Yeah, it was nice that. by the way, Andrew, the way you've drawn those things together. It's quite nice. You reckon... Pixelated boat could uh, be in the the Apex game. Yeah, I reckon. Do no, you I think there's a future for him? I could put. It I don't know what he looks like. Yeah, he I'm not sure Sudanese. what he is, but uh, as I've already if, established, if it he's Sudanese, really look, it's just a coincidence that all the members are Sudanese so far, Lucy. It's just that's just how it's happened to fall out. It's just happened though. I've actually seen some pretty woke takes on Facebook from some uh, oh, yeah, some some like boomers that are like, oh, don't blame African people. It's mm. not African people, it's Sudanese people. Mm. That is very woke, thought, yes. It's very, it's very galaxy brain. Yeah, I did like, actually, can I read some of the racism. woke boomer tweets I saw that I actually saved? Oh, yeah. Because oh, no. Oh, no. I know these people, they f- their hearts are in the right place. They mean sort well. Of, they mean and well. And they, they do mean well, but I just want to say to them, you're not helping... You're kind of just being racist yourselves, mm-hmm. and these stories are so obviously made up. But here are a few. I guess they describe themselves as progressive boomers tweeting stories to uh, disprove how bad that Sudanese gangs exist. This is yeah, my favorite one. They, I won't um, say the at name, but this is my favorite one. Five years ago, late at night, lost in the city, I was surrounded by a black gang, tattoos, the lot. <laughs> Them. 
hey, lady, you dropped your scarf. <laughs> then they took what? to see the new sculpture, sculpture outside the library because, quote, my mum says it's cool, so you'll like it. Oh, I, don't know, I, just, I don't know if that didn't happen or if it's like she just avoided getting mugged. <laughs> she says it was a gang. Uh, I love it when, yeah, a gang of 20-year-old of guys surround me and then helpfully mm. across the street. and Made me a cup of tea. <laughs> I knew they had tattoos because he'd taken his shirt off and placed it in a puddle to help me across the road. <laughs> Here's another good one. Uh, I too found myself surrounded by black youths at sundown. <laughs> oh no, that's the worst time. That's that famous type <laughs> of standoffs to occur. <laughs> we really do not want to be surrounded at sundown. I asked directions, and one guy offered to walk me to the place I was looking for. I told them I was hitchhiking back home from helping out after the floods. They said that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Of course they did. So in that person's story, it was just a gang of, in their words, black youths surrounding them at sundown for apparently no reason whatsoever because they just asked them for directions. I just, yeah, I love I love the whole um, extremely woke boomer thing of like, well, I had an interaction one time with some black with people black and person? I was not. I have a yeah, black I, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't robbed or assaulted, and that means that absolutely no black person has ever robbed or assaulted anyone. <laughs> it's just like you, you can't you can't like um yeah, you, you can't based off your own one interaction just like uh yeah. you can't you can't do the magical negro trope for like every black person. It's terrible. It's really not every movie. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They're all like, oh, and, then Will Smith came and helped me with my golf swing. <laughs> Fucking absolutely. One time uh, I was uh, out walking and a cop car pulled up and a black guy got out and I was worried. But then an orc got out from the other side of the cop car <laughs> and I was like, oh, it's orc cop. <laughs> oh, my God. Orc cop. Um, we're going to try and organize some orc cop related content, folks. We're going to try and figure it out. Uh, what is what is the prime medium for us to to do that in? And then we're going to do it. We're going to bloody do it. Uh, but for now, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, we would like to say a big thank you to the Chancellor of the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What, what was the subdivision? I'm Hunter sorry, the Valley. Hunter Valley subdivision. Yep. Chancellor of the Hunter Valley subdivision of the Apex Gang, Matt V. Brady. Uh, Matt, can I just ask before you go, uh, do you plan on uh, bashing a lot of white people in the future? Is that is that the plan for the next week or so? It's not my plan. Uh, the other guys like to talk about herding skips a lot. I'm not really sure what they yeah. mean by that. Uh, when I ask them, they just laugh at me. So, uh, yeah, I'm not really sure what they've got planned for the rest of the week. But um, uh, I'd just like to say watch out. Everybody should watch <laughs> out. No one is safe. And uh, we're coming. Thanks. Thanks for clarifying. That sounds good. Uh, you can, of course, find Matt uh, on Twitter at Matt V. Brady. Um, you can get along with that just to find out, you know, how, how the gang's coming along. And... Uh, yeah, you can also, if you would like some bonus episodes of the show, you can get on over to patreon.com slash Vista 
for the lowly sum of five US dollars, which I assume are worth um, even less than Australian dollars. That's probably not right. <laughs> it's not right at all. <laughs> slightly, slightly more, slightly more than uh, Australian dollars. But for that low, low price, you can get yourself uh, some bonus episodes if you enjoy this content. Uh, you can also uh, rate. You can rate the show on the iTunes store and all the other places it is. I don't really keep track of them, frankly. Five stars. Five, five stars. stars and above only. We've clarified this on the previous episode. Um, f- five stars and above. If you can find a way to rate us higher than five stars on the iTunes store, we would appreciate it. Mm. Yep. Um, feel free to do that. If you're if you're more of a three stars and under kind of person, maybe just don't bother. Maybe keep that shit to yourself. I don't want to hear you whinge at me. I don't want you to hear you. Carve your three stars into a piece of ice and push it out into the ocean. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think Theo's right. I think Theo's got it. I'm going to go write a review right now, but unfortunately (laughs) I'm going to write it in chalk on someone's kitchen dash. (laughs) (laughs) The most prominent place. The most prominent place. Thanks again, Matt, for joining us. Yeah, thanks. It's been good. We'll see everybody next week. 